Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. I am recording this in a van right now, camped out near Sedona, Arizona. I'm on a little mic that might be making a difference. There's probably a hum of the fridge in the background. There will probably be a bunch of other sounds. So this is my disclaimer. Um... I have been here in Arizona for, I guess, about two weeks now, Um, and I'll be around the desert for another week and a half. I'm going to make my way up to Moab, Utah, and uh, I visited Sedona one day last year. I actually came to Arizona at the end of October to attend an ayahuasca ceremony, and had a day to come to Sedona. I met two dear friends here, camped out near the same area I'm camping tonight, and went for a little hike and was like, wow, what is this place? I need to come back. So since last October, I've been saying I'm leaving the Northwest for November. I'm leaving the Northwest for November and I'm going to the desert. And Sedona was just like the thing on my mind. Even though I was open to whatever would work out and definitely was dreaming about Mexico a little bit. Sedona was really the catalyst of that desire to leave the Northwest for a month in the fall, get out of the dark dreary weather before the snow really starts falling. And it was really beautiful because things just worked out really easily for me. I was kind of unsure what I was going to do, but I took a sublet for three months that ended at the start of November. And this sublet was an opportunity for me to live in my own space for the first time by myself on my own. And that lined up really well. And then I knew that would be a really good push to get me to actually leave for November and like figure it out. And it's really easy in the States, right, to just hit the road um, and go. But my car, (laughs) my car I've had for mm, almost 12 years. She has like 218,000 miles on her as a Ford. And I was not feeling super comfortable with driving her all the way down to Arizona. And I didn't really have the finances to like fly somewhere and like pay 
for accommodation. And it just so happened that a dear friend of mine was going to Spain for three weeks with his partner. And they uh, offered to let me use their van, which was so kind. And so I have been using their van and also watching their dog, which has been such a sweet thing for me. I tend to get a lot of little dog sitting, house sitting gigs, and I love dogs. I'm like a dog mom without a dog. One day I will have a dog, but for now it's so nice to be uh, a dog auntie, and it's been really, really sweet. So it's been full of a lot of mountain biking, but also just some walking around, a lot of sunsets. Really, it's been mountain biking and going to watch the sunset. Um, And it's a really sweet way of living for a little while. Sure makes working hard, but here we are recording a little podcast with whatever sound quality we're going to get in the van. It is 9.45 p.m., but I just felt like I wanted to do this. I made some tea, and we're going to talk about stress. (laughs) We are going to talk about stress. Um... Before I get into stress, I'm going to kind of roll with this. I was writing uh, an email to my email list today and was sharing how I was out on the road and how things so easily fell into place and how nice that was because things have not been feeling super easeful for a while. And I would say that shifted about two and a half years ago when I turned 30. It was really kind of a stark contrast. I felt this shift within me where, you know, a lot of my 20s, I went through some hard stuff like losing my dad when I was 23, a lot of heartbreak (laughs) throughout my 20s, Um, dealing with still struggling with body image issues and a lot of gut issues and really coming to understand my anxiety and probably the end of my 20s understanding the more like obsessive compulsive OCD tendencies of my mind and everything but I guess in my 20s you know I was in college and that was just like so fun so many you're meeting all these people I partied a lot Like, I went out every weekend. I drank wine a lot of nights. I smoked weed a lot. So I was definitely using substances. And then I definitely wasn't sleeping well enough. And I was always hanging out with people. And this started back in high school. I started partying. I would always be out of the house doing things. Doing, doing, doing. And that also was kind of... It was both in like socializing and always wanting to like be a part of things and then kind of like the to-do list thing I remember started around high school time of like feeling like I needed to check off the to-do list and, and keep being productive and if I didn't check things off my list I wasn't productive enough. So this all kind of leads into like what I'm going to acknowledge about this shift over the last two and a half years which can be hard because in the 20s I did feel like I you know there was a time when I was a teenager I struggled with depression and negative thinking and and then I feel like I really learned how to cultivate my own happiness 
and have a really positive mindset. And I took that with me after I graduated from college. This was within months, like six months of my father passing away. Within that year, I started traveling, which led to a five, six year stint of traveling around the world. And I brought that positive mindset for, I brought it through his passing, you know, through the grief process. And I brought it forward into like, just trusting that everything was going to work out, you know, that I could just fly to a country without a whole bunch of money and figure it out. And things really did work out for me. And of course, I need to acknowledge, you know, my privilege as a white woman in that sense. And, you know, as a blonde, blue eyed woman and and the, the things that maybe were more easily accessible to me than maybe someone else. But coming out of that state and that space of trusting and more positive mindset, not to, you know, it's not that I didn't struggle at all with, I've always struggled with anxiety. I've always struggled with being easily stressed and overwhelmed. I've had some really stressful and horrible and some traumatizing experiences in my travels. But feeling that shift has been difficult. And you could say, okay, there's aging. And I do think there's a level of awareness that as you get older, you become more aware of your tendencies and your patterns and your protective mechanisms and your triggers. And sometimes having that awareness, you just can't ignore it anymore. You know, they say ignorance ignorance is bliss, right? And I get where that comes from because so many of those things that either I wasn't aware of when I was younger or was able to just kind of like scooch around like I can't do that anymore like I I feel everything so fully and that's a really beautiful thing in many ways so there's a level of awareness that is there but a part of what's going on is that I've spent so much of my life in a flight response. I don't know how long, but I can trace back memories of being a kid and having obsessive compulsive tendencies or obsessive thinking and levels of anxiety and likely being in more of a chronic fight or flight response. And I know that some of that was passed down to me from my mother love you so much mom but it is passed down to us our mother's uh, nervous system state and her vagal tone so how you know is she in a state of chronic stress and anxiety just as does trauma get passed down from both sides of the family going three generations back so I know I was already kind of set up with this more chronic fight-or-flight response in my system because that was in both my parents and in a lot of the family it's in a lot of us it's in a lot of us um, and then whatever else may have happened maybe in my environment um, maybe something you know being I was always a highly sensitive kid so perhaps I could sense uh 
you know, that stress or anxiety from either of my parents and in their relationship and their arguments, um, you know, feel from my dad aspects of his addiction and his pain. I mean, underneath that addiction was trauma. I don't know what, but there was a deep pain and I would have felt that. Um, and other things that happened that I do remember that were traumatizing, all those things would have, you know, been an environmental factor and then attuning to my parents and their nervous systems being in those states. I learned, okay, how do I keep myself safe? A way I learned how to keep myself safe was more of that flight response. And I was such an imagination kid, imagination kid, I don't know. I lived in so much play and imagination, imaginary world, and I think a lot of kids do, but I've wondered if I did that so deeply because I wanted to escape my real experience. And then the obsessive compulsive tendencies and the obsessive compulsive thinking and the anxiety and the the hypersensitivity at such a young age that developed then and then that continued throughout my life and it's manifested in other ways the anxiety's always been there the obsessive compulsive thinking has always been there levels of control like really feeling like i need to be in control of things i think through teenage years that really manifested in disordered eating or orthorexia which is an obsession with healthy eating or over exercising like trying to control my body Um, I think that comes out in like indecision and wanting to make the best decision and having FOMO, like wanting to, you know, do the best possible thing, the most fulfilling thing. There's a sense of control there. I can feel how it comes out with my partner, like wanting to like control him or aspects of our interactions. Um, yeah, I'm just getting real raw with y'all here. Uh, And then, like I mentioned before, like always needing to do, like accomplish the to-do list obsession. Um, And then at times like the partying or like always being with other people, over socializing, definitely have over socialized myself many, many times. And, you know, the, the desire to travel and experience an adventure, which is all like it's all a beautiful thing there's a lot of these things that are beautiful and come from an authentic place but I can also see how they satisfy that flight response so anyways flight response so what did I do in my 20s I traveled for so many years I didn't live in one place longer than eight months for like five or six years so let's talk about like constant flight response satisfaction here So I moved back home-ish, close to home. Uh, Maybe it was like eight months before the pandemic. Maybe it was six. I don't really know. I've lost track of time these last years. But I wanted to come home. I wanted to settle down for a second and ground down for a second. I was tired. I knew that was necessary. But in my head, I'm like, I'm going back to Patagonia in the winter. Um, yeah, which would have been like six months later. And then the pandemic happened. And um, 
you know, six months after that, I turned 30. And so it had ended up being the longest I'd been in one place pretty much since my since my dad died and I graduated school. And I remember people asking me when I traveled, they're like, did you travel? Are you like running from something? And I'll always be like, no, I'm not running from anything. And I, I really wasn't and I don't feel like I was because I think a part of my personality and a lot of that I got from my dad is I love adventure. I love seeing new places and meeting new people and exploring. It's part of what drives me into the mountains and in outdoor adventures. I know it's an authentic part of who I am. But I can't help but wonder if there was some level of, you know, running away from some of that grief and some of that pain. So coming back, being home, and being kind of in your homeland, it just started to bring up a bunch of stuff. And here I was now, like, pushing against that flight response. And so it was the combination of the awareness, the level of awareness I was at by entering my 30s and getting older and starting to see aspects of myself and my shadow side and my patterns and my protective mechanisms and my trauma and my family's trauma and all of that stuff, really starting to see that so clearly for the first time on such a deep level, combined with pushing against that flight response and that is uncomfortable. That is so uncomfortable. And it brings up so much. When we like shift out of those patterns of protective mechanisms and the, the parts of our nervous system that we've become so used to being in, it can be so hard to shift out of it. It can make us so uncomfortable and bring up a lot of things. Like for me, negative thinking and scarcity mindset and more stress and overwhelm because it makes you feel a little unsafe. And I've talked about this before in other episodes, especially the one around Mexico where I'd like really slowed down and I felt all this come up. So this is something I'm really aware of. But I wanted to share that because it came up today in my email and then I made a reel out of it and now here we are making a podcast out of it because it just feels really present and it's a beautiful example of why like you know we can all understand stress is bad I mean some stress is good but like chronic stress you know really overwhelming stress like we know that it's good for us to do things that reduces our stress And stress has a negative impact on our gut. It has a negative impact on, you know, our mind, etc. And we can be like, all right, great. I'm going to learn stress reduction techniques. Maybe that is yoga. Maybe that's meditation. Maybe that's breath work. Maybe that's nature connection, etc. And there's a lot of beautiful, accessible, free tools at our fingertips. And... You can scour the internet and find a bunch of things that works for you. You can just go into what intuitively calls to you, which when we do that, we might notice that we just spend a little bit more time outside or connecting with really good people, doing things that we enjoy that um, do reduce our stress. Maybe that's reading or playing music or baking, whatever it may be 
hanging out with a pet. There's so many things that seem really simple that are like really the foundation of our health and well-being and of like supporting our nervous system. But here's the key thing. It's so important to understand our own nervous system and our tendencies of our nervous system. What kind of state does our nervous system tend to live in? What triggers it to be in that state? Why did it start being in that state in the first place and when? And what does that feel like for us on a physical, mental, emotional level? You know, what does it feel like when we are too overactivated in that state? Well, then what do we notice? How do we come out of that state? What actually works for us? This is where understanding our own nervous system can be so, so extremely helpful for really pinpointing what actually will, will, will be the most helpful tools for bringing regulation. And then, of course, sometimes we have to do some deeper work, which um, is best done with a practitioner, whether you're doing somatic experiencing or maybe you um, explore EMDR, hypnotherapy, some other modality that helps work with the mind-body to do a bit of a deeper work of processing and healing some of that chronic and traumatic stress. So if you already know and really understand your nervous system super well, that's wonderful and I'm really glad and um, I hope you have some great tools that uh, help you navigate being a human. If you don't, um, I have a free quiz called Gut Issues Find out if your nervous system is the cause. That is going to give you what your likely dominant nervous system state is. So for me, mine is flight response. And explain to you how that state, when you're in it too long, affects your mental, emotional, mental, and digestive health. And I break that all down for you. I break down the autonomic nervous system from a polyvagal approach. And then I give you a video with action steps, tools that you can use anytime you're feeling overactivated in that state that you can use in your everyday life. These are some of the most powerful, simple, accessible somatic tools to use for each of these states to help process those things in a safe way. And this will help make big shifts for you. So if you're interested in that, the link is down in the show notes. All right. So I... (laughs) going to talk about stress on this podcast, but you know what? I think my story is a really great lead-in to talking about stress and chronic stress and why you might be more stressed than you think. So I talk a lot about chronic and traumatic stress, and I think sometimes people you know, hear that. They know, like I said, know about stress and how it's bad for your gut health etc etc 
And they might think, well, you know, I'm not really stressed though, you know, or I've already dealt with my stress. And if that is true for you, I'm so happy. However, there's some things we need to understand here about this. One of the main things is that many of us are in a state of chronic stress, but we don't even realize it. This is often because we've lived so much of our life in a state of fight or flight that our bodies, our nervous systems have adapted to that state so well that it kind of becomes the norm. And we only really feel stressed when we're really activated in that state, when we're starting to get to the brink of burnout. When we're saying things like, ah, I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. Like when we're just like really feeling that. Maybe for some people it's physical sensations like your heart rate increases and your breathing gets shallower and maybe you have like a flash of heat through your body or sweaty palms. Um, It could just feel like a an immense amount of overwhelm suddenly through the system. Maybe you're snapping at loved ones or friends. Maybe you're feeling extremely emotional. Sometimes we don't really think we're stressed out unless we're feeling that super heightened level of stress or of the fight or flight response, like maybe a high level of irritability or frustration as well. Because Again, our system is so used to being in that chronic state of fight or flight that we can really only feel it when we get to that heightened level. So that is one thing to consider. A part of this is also that if you live in Western society, our modern society lives in a state of chronic fight or flight. And so that's another way that we become so adapted and used to it that we may not even realize that we're stressed. Let me explain a little bit more. Our society wears busy as a badge of honor. It pushes being independent, uh, working hard. We spend majority of our life working while also, you know, needing to raise families and afford all these things. And so much is about like doing and being productive and going, going, going. And then you throw in technology and the constant input of information from screens and social media and Google searches and even podcasts. There's this constant input and it is all stressful. It's all stress to the system. And this is where we really need to understand like our stress bucket, right? So There's a lot of things that add to our stress bucket. 
And maybe one of those things on their own, like maybe may not be a big deal, but when it goes on top, you know, it's that last drop in the bucket or there, you know, it's being added in with all these other things throughout the day. That's what's going to start creating this level of chronic stress. So I'm going to give some examples of things that could be stressful input to a person in their day-to-day life. And the key here about chronic stress is that it's just typically a constant level of input of stress. And it can be a low level, but it's constant. It's consistent. This could be from things that we're dealing with in our day-to-day life. Things like having a busy job or working long hours, having deadlines to meet, having a ton of emails to attend to each day, a bunch of meetings, needing to commute for work. Uh, This could be children to take care of relationships to navigate and if we have any conflict in our relationships that's going to add a higher level of stress Uh, any sort of relationships like with boss or colleagues that doesn't feel good to us um, is going to cause stress just the amount of stuff that we might have to do in any given day, financial things. So that kind of like world of stress can cause stress. And then there's going to be other things like not getting enough sleep. We might not be eating enough food to fuel our body. I guess you could be on the end of overeating as well. We may be over-exercising, right? When we do things like high-intensity interval training or CrossFit or like, you know, marathons or like really intense exercise, that is stress on the body. So if you got a lot of other stress going on in your life, that is going to be pushing you over it's going to be the last drop in the bucket so when we're looking at how we're getting movement exercise we want to consider what is our stress levels right now how's our stress bucket doing um under exercising can be a stressor too because we need levels of movement if we're on screens all day that's going to be a stressor if we don't have access to the outdoors or natural sunlight that's going to be a stressor If we don't have access to healthy food or we're eating food that we have sensitivities to, if we have any inflammation going on in the gut or in anywhere else in the body, if we have any disease or dysfunction in the body, that's going to be physical stress. If we have an injury, if we get sick, that is also going to be physical stress. Of course, there's some bigger stressors. We might go through a move, a breakup, a divorce. We might lose a loved one. There's so many different things that are going to be an input of stress. And some of them are positive, right? Like I said, exercise, well, that's a positive thing. But if we are doing too high intensity or too much of it in a way that is just overwhelming our body and our nervous system, our nervous system can't tell the difference. It's not like, oh, yeah, we're doing HIT today. It's like, 
holy shit, this is really intense. What is going on? <laughs> I'm running away from a lion. Okay. Right? Uh, same thing with under eating. It's not like, oh, we're just fasting or we're on a diet or like we just had a busy day. It's like, I'm in a famine. <laughs> this is stressful. Um, hormonal imbalances can be physical stress on the body. There's so many different things. Um, and then, of course, there's things from our past, right? So, like I said, uh, what was our caregiver's relationship with stress? What were we modeled? What did we attune to as children? What was passed down to us from our parents, especially our mothers? Was she stressed when we were in the womb? Uh, we, our mothers can pass down their vagal tones to us. So we might have a low vagal tone, which is going to reduce our ability to be in that state of rest and digest. So we might just be more uh, easily in a state of fight or flight. And again, looking at that environment when we were young, did was it stressful? Did we have to adapt to that? And we learned how to be in that state of fight or flight. And then this kind of gets into the area of more traumatic stress, which I think I'm just going to do. You know, I already made a podcast on trauma. Um, so I'm not going to talk too much about that here. But just a reminder that, you know, chronic stress and traumatic stress can be pretty interwoven. And chronic stress could be a response to a traumatic event. And that trauma isn't so much about the event itself or what happened, but it's how your nervous system responded to something that happened. So it's usually something that was too soon, too fast, or for too long. So it's something that overwhelmed the system and there wasn't the chance to appropriately respond or set a boundary, fight back or run away or um, like recover from the trauma. Another common trauma is someone who wasn't there that should have been. That's often with a caregiver and that could have been a caregiver physically wasn't there. Maybe they were neglectful or we were abandoned or they died or we grew up without a caregiver or they may have not been there emotionally or they may have had an addiction or they were unable to really see our authentic self and support that. They tried to control us or crossed boundaries. Many, many different examples. And that is often where I see a lot of people's trauma is in those early attachment figures. And my last, uh, the podcast episode before the last one was all about the strong link between trauma and IBS which um, is just amazing to consider how important those early childhood experiences are for how we end up responding to the world, how our nervous system is programmed, and how our gut brain is programmed. <sighs> All right. So I hope this gives you a you know, just a bit of a reality check on stress. <laughs> if you're someone who is like, oh, I'm not really stressed. Just to consider 
what some inputs of stress might be that maybe you weren't considering or just to consider the stress bucket and how you might navigate a day given what's going on in your life at that moment and understanding how that might be connected to symptoms that flare up or triggers that come up and giving yourself some grace and some love and some compassion through those times and finding the tools that work best for you for moving out of that state of chronic stress back into a state of safety and rest and digest in your nervous system. And a lot of that starts with understanding your own nervous system. So again, take the quiz if you'd like to understand more. And if you really want to do some deeper work around all these things, the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit, its page is live for you to find out all the information about this live group program. I think it's going to open and begin in January for the first round, 50% off for the first group to go through the program, the founding members. I'm so excited to get this rolling out. I think it's the most comprehensive, holistic approach to healing our gut, brain, symptoms, as I've said many times before. And if you want to get that 50% off, get on the wait list. I'm going to keep the first round small because it's the first round. I want to really be there for everyone and make it the best program I can. Um, So get on the wait list to be offered a spot first. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Everything else should be there on the page. If you enjoy what I talk about here in this podcast episode and in all the other episodes or on my Instagram or TikTok, I think this program is going to be really in alignment for you. If you've struggled with chronic gut brain issues like IBS for a while and you've tried a lot of different things with your diet, maybe different supplement protocols, maybe you've seen practitioners and followed what they said and you're still not feeling great, like you still are struggling with your symptoms, then this is likely the missing piece for you It is in your nervous system. Remember, the nervous system is absolutely intertwined in our gut-brain connection. So we could do all the healthy eating, meditating, supplement protocols that we want. But if we're still stuck in a state of our nervous system like chronic stress, like fight or flight, or maybe a shutdown response, then we're probably only going to get so far we need to address what's going on in our nervous system. The quiz is a great place to start and go ahead and check out that Gut Brain Healing Toolkit page. If you're listening to this after January, we probably already started, but you can always hop on the wait list for the next round. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you have a regulated and resilient day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.